Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of The The Castle Castle Chat. Chat. What's up, peeps? We are back, and today we are going to be covering Where Were We Then? 1996. Going back to the 90s, where we came from. Oh yeah, (laughs) 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World, 1996. What a year. Kate, why don't you break down what what they can expect from this episode? Well, with the 50th anniversary being upon us in Walt Disney World now, in 2021, we thought, what a fun idea to go back to the previous, probably, you know, big anniversary for Disney, which would be the 25th, um, and just see what was going on then, what special offerings the parks had at that time, and how it differs from what they're doing today, um, how much things cost, who, you know, were the big celebrities that were a part of this celebration, and just kind of revisit the 90s. Yeah, let's jump right in. listening to this on your way back from your Thanksgiving travels we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your loved ones Uh, we are excited that you guys are tuning in today to this episode if you hear me right now I am a little nasally I'm getting over a cold but that's okay we're going to push through this episode and get through this okay the 25th anniversary man 20 I can't believe it's already been 25 years I mean thinking in terms of our lives I mean that's oh yeah we were literally babies when the 25th was happening Mm -hmm. I was born in 1995 and the 25th anniversary ran from October 1st 1996 to January 31st 1998 so I was literally an infant yeah one and a half yeah almost or a little bit older than a toddler yeah infant toddler age Yeah, I was two in 1996, and it was the year that I went on my very first Disney World trip. So obviously as a two-year-old, my specific memories are limited, but my family being original vloggers back in the day (laughs) took so many home videos that I have the pleasure of being able to watch back, and the parks are so different. The the nature of what your Disney experience was at that time was so different. And um, when I specifically went, it was in May 1996. It was right before they ensued the 25th Remember the Magic celebration. Um, But knowing that I went that year and that I... I also went in May of this year, 2021. So how about that? 25 years, back to back. Um, But... So many crazy things looking back that Disney did for the celebration when we think about what they're doing now for the 50th and Mm -hmm. how they did the 25th between technology changes, social media changes, IP and the parks, like how that's changed. Um, Very different version of a celebration. Absolutely. I mean, when I look back and I look at pictures of the 25th anniversary, and I look at pictures of the 50th anniversary. It's it's crazy to think that it really has been 25 years. And just like the fashion too. Like seeing people <laughs> in the pictures of the 25th anniversary and the 50th. just makes me chuckle. But it is so cool to think about the fact that 
Walt Disney World has been around now for 50 years and will continue to go on for as long as we will probably know. Yeah, I was watching a clip of interviews and and it was specifically like a special or, or a program that they put on TV for the 25th and one of the Disney executives was being interviewed and at the time... I think stuff like this is so cool. They interviewed him and they said, where do you think Disney will be 25 years from now for the 50th? And his response was, I think we'll be in space. That's the next frontier. I think in 25 years, people will be traveling to space for vacations and you can find a bit of Disney there. And just, you know, thinking about how that's really great and idealistic to think that 25 (laughs) years that, you know, technology would advance so quickly and, you know, things are happening um to a certain extent in that way but when i was watching that the first thing that came to my mind i was like oh how ironic that they opened space 220 during the 50th because i was like that's as close as they got to being in space well tell everybody what space 220 is for those that don't know yes so space 220 is a new restaurant in epcot it is right over by mission space makes sense location wise Um, and the idea is that you get an elevator and it takes you all the way up to space and you can look down on earth and float around in the galaxy while you enjoy a galactic meal of sorts Um, so anyway I just thought that was a funny little tidbit that is so ironic I know I was like well they tried they 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 made their own like simulated version yeah they're like okay we said this, so we have to, right. at some point, like, replicate that in yes. some way. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I feel like we can't talk about 1996 in the 25th anniversary without talking about the most iconic thing that they did. In my opinion, the most iconic thing that they did. Which was turn Cinderella's castle into a ginormous birthday cake. I mean, larger than life. Very obvious that that's exactly what it was. A birthday cake. Yes. I, we will definitely post pictures of said cake on our Instagram because it is, if you have not seen images of this yet, it is, um, I think it's a very controversial type of um, transformation that they did because some people were not happy with the way that it looked because some people had planned to go to Disney to <laughs> see the castle and they show up and it's a literal birthday cake and it's like, okay. All right, that's not like the Cinderella's castle that you see usually. Yeah. Um, but some people like really loved it and thought, oh my gosh, we're looking at an actual castle cake. Yeah. I, like I said, I went in May, so it was before the castle became a cake. <laughs> so all my pictures when I'm itty bitty are with the regular original OG okay. Cinderella castle. Um, uh, again, another bit of irony that it was a giant pink cake and right before the 50th they decided to paint cinderella castle a shade of pink oh another look at you with the comparisons i know going i i I mean what else do i do in my free time i just you know do these little (laughs) strange research projects i'm like oh this is interesting wonder if it was intentional or not um but yeah the cake castle in plenty of people's opinion was a monstrosity, you know, to do that to Cinderella Castle. Um, but other people think it's iconic and, yeah. you know, I, I think if it were permanent, obviously that would be an issue. But the fact that it was temporary, I think it's super fun. Yeah. 
I think it's one of the coolest transformations they've ever done to the castle. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I could have seen it in person. Yeah. Do you think they'd ever bring it back? Maybe for a throwback for the 100th. I mean, we'll be old Ooh. ladies, but I mean, that might be fun. <laughs> old ladies at the 100th watching the castle <laughs> dress like a cake. That, I could see that. I yeah. could see that. I that's, mean, that's a while from now, though. I know. We got to wait another would be 50 our, years. It would be almost 80 years. Maybe old. the 75th. I mean, I mean, maybe. Yeah. We'll still be getting up there. I wonder if they still kept all the pieces of the castle, of the, of the, the cake castle. Like, if it's stored somewhere or if it's just gone. I don't know. I mean, I feel like they put a bunch of these things in warehouses. I don't know if all the pieces are still in existence, but I'm sure oh. there is some museum piece of sorts from Oh, I'm sure. the from the 25th. Maybe like the the actual 2 and the 5 from the 25. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it in person. So when you look back at pictures of this cake castle, there's a lot of detail to it. Just like the castle we have today has some new details to it. What kind of details were a part of this cake overlay. All right, I'm going to break it down for y'all. So more than 400 gallons of pink paint were used to decorate the castle with multicolored sprinkles. <laughs> so fun. Um, the, the, ca- the cake had 26 candles. So 25 candles for the 25th and then one extra candle as a way to say one to grow on, which I thought was very cute. Yes. For the future of the park. Um, but the candles, each candle was 20 to 40 feet tall. That's a tall candle. That's a very tall candle. Maybe that's one of the museum pieces that they kept. Oh. A candle. Can you imagine if we just had one of those in here? I would definitely hold on to that for sure. <laughs> would be so fun. Okay, back to the list. Um, 16 two-foot-long candy stars. Specifically candy stars. Candy stars. 16 five-foot-tall candy bears. Oh, my gosh. Also, that would be fun to have, like, a five-foot candy bear in here, too. I'm thinking <laughs> about all the things we can steal. Um, 12 five-foot gumdrops. That's a very large gumdrop. Six, well, four six-foot stacks of lifesavers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so intense. 33-foot-tall lollipops. 52-foot gumballs and more than 1,000 feet of pink and blue inflatable icing. Wild. Now that is a that is a birthday cake castle in a nutshell. That's the, they did the gumdrops, they did the lifesavers, they did the sprinkles, they did the bears. I mean, that is, again, I'm gonna go with a comparison angle here. Okay. They now, they did that to the castle, the castle itself became that and now they're like treats galore for the 50th and you can get those in like miniature actual edible sizes which is now where it's just like sugar overload yeah and these pieces i think they were just like they just took the castle and they just added these pieces to the castle so when they put it up they just like added all these pieces on top of it so it made it look like this inflatable like it made the castle look much bigger than it actually was because they were just adding these pieces to it if you look up pictures of the castle with these inflatable pieces on it, I don't know what Disney was thinking at the time or who was in charge, but they literally like did it so you could see it from the front. And if you look at old pictures of the back of the castle, 
Like all those inflatables are missing. Like they just did the front. They just did the front. They just did the front. If you if you're listening to this, go look up a picture backside of Cinderella Castle. Twenty <laughs> side of water. Backside of castle. castle. <laughs> For the twenty fifth, they left off the like additional pieces oh. on the back of the castle. So it looks kind of incomplete. It looks unfinished. Halfway done. Um, so I'm not it's sure. It's to appease the people that wanted a castle picture. They had to go to the back of the castle to right. get their quote-unquote castle picture yeah it's like flip a coin you're one side of magic kingdom the other side that is so funny yeah i just thought that was really interesting i think the castle is the funnest part of the celebration though for sure it's i think people anticipate looking down main street and seeing oh my goodness like there's something to be celebrating right now because the castle has some type of overlay to it i remember for the hundred years of magic they did a fun kind of gold overlay to the castle um and you know it's an indication of something to be celebrated so i definitely think that it's a part of all of these future celebrations we're gonna have too is what are they gonna do to the castle i know i'm like now curious what they're gonna do for the 75th but who knows like we said maybe they'll bring it back maybe a little nostalgia who knows okay Let's talk about what else they had going on um, there during the celebration. There were some people that gave some speeches. Do you remember who those people are? Yeah, so for the like main speeches, when they were honoring Magic Kingdom and the 25 years that it had been operating, the existing CEO of Walt Disney Company, mm-hmm. Michael Eisner, gave a speech um and then roy e disney who is the son of roy o disney walt's mm-hmm. brother so walt's nephew mm-hmm. rededicated magic kingdom and said his father's speech from the original dedication ceremony word for word which i just thought was really special that um he was able to honor his dad honor his uncle and not only you know celebrate 25 years of the magic that his dad and his brother made together um but to be able to like say his father's exact words i feel like was probably more impactful to him than anybody else experiencing that that speech um so i i think that was to witness that and be a part of it was probably a really cool thing to experience and witness yeah who else was in magic kingdom for the Um, 25th the first lady at the time, Hillary Clinton. Crazy. I mean, again, with the full circle, she put in, I mean, recently, it's been a little bit now, but can you imagine if she was like president for the 50th and then had been first oh. lady during the 25th? That would have been. That would have been. Wow. That would have been but crazy. Also, with the times that we live in now, like a president or first lady in the magic kingdom without like an extreme security detail or yeah it probably wouldn't happen i feel like back in the 90s it was a little easier for presidents and first ladies to to go to events like this yeah she from what i've seen um in my little bit of research i did like she just rode in one of the main street vehicles with michael eisner's waving it (laughs) so the civilian yeah just waving at everybody going by um and nowadays i mean it would have been a mad mob out there trying oh, to yes, see her and everything mob. so um 
I, I don't think that would happen these days, but it's pretty cool that she came all the way to Walt Disney World to be a part of the celebration. I think that shows you how impactful and important Walt Disney World is in American culture. Oh, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. What? So the 25th expanded outside of just Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. just like it is now. Magic Kingdom obviously is the reason for celebrating, but so many other things were happening in a part of this celebration. Do you want to talk about some of those things that were in part due to celebrating 25 years of Walt Disney World? Yes, so a lot of things opened in 1996. While the celebration was happening, it was a great opportunity for them to launch a lot of new um, areas around um, parks, as well as some resorts and other restaurants and stuff. It was a great marketing opportunity for them to do that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big things that opened during 1996 was the boardwalk. Now, the boardwalk is um, an area right outside of Epcot that has some restaurants, mainly resorts, but it's a great little area for you to kind of like walk around. You don't need a park ticket to be in that area, Um, but it is very accessible to Epcot. So if you're staying at the um, Beach and Yacht Club or you're staying at the boardwalk hotels, Um, then you're able to get into Epcot pretty easily. So them opening that in 1996 was, um, was great for that area and, um, a great addition to the parks. Yeah. I think that area is one of the like most beloved hubs of people going to Disney world and you can't go into the parks. Where do you want to go? And for me, it's either the monorail loop and going through those resorts mm-hmm. or the Epcot resorts, which is kind of its own loop as well. Yeah. And the boardwalk is what connects all of those mm-hmm. things. Um, so that's a pretty big addition um, to, to open up for the 25th. And the mm-hmm. boardwalk is such a fun resort in itself. Yeah, You've it stayed is. there. I have stayed there. The boardwalk is a lot of fun. Um, like I said, it is great to be right there with a lot of other items around you that are accessible. Um, Staying at the boardwalk was awesome, and I got to be able to walk over to some of those resorts as well while I was there, but it was exciting to hear that that opened during the 25th anniversary. I thought that was an awesome little addition. Let me see what else opened. Oh, World of Disney. Yeah, World of Disney is like the spot for Disney merch now. So that's, I mean, for Disney to finally have a location outside of the parks for their guests fans mm-hmm. etc to have a place to go and get that merch without having to do it in the park mm-hmm. it's probably you know one of their biggest cash cows oh yeah and so of, when they opened it they was then officially the largest disney store in the world yeah it's huge yeah it's got like it's probably like three departments like if you think about like a bulk or dillard like it's like three of those put together yeah in one giant building so it is so fun going into world of disney because you're like oh my gosh there's so much like it can be overwhelming too because it's packed and there's a lot going on but when i walk into world of disney i'm like okay what merch do i need where am i going i know which direction i'm going in and um I know that if I need to find a certain piece of merch, I can typically find it at World of Disney. That's exactly what so, I was going to say. You can find exactly yes. what you need by just going there. For me, and I'm sure true of a lot of people, I will go when I first get to Orlando yeah. or when I'm leaving. And 
it's just kind of like my, okay, I saw these things in the parks, mm -hmm. and I really loved this. I'm going to go to World of Disney, see if I can find it, or find a close alternative, and just grab it, and then not have to tote it around while you're in the park, or have it all week, and it, you know, it's definitely convenient in that sense, and for people who don't have tickets to get into the park and want some fun Disney stuff, it's a great place to go and shop, so oh, yeah. I wish I knew how much money that one store has brought in for the Walt Disney Company over the years. It's got to be. I mean, especially because you don't need a park ticket to enter, so you could just be a Florida local and just be mm -hmm. like, oh, I just want to get some Disney merch. If I had to guess how much money it makes in a day, it's got to be half a million. I oh, feel like it has it to be. Like, it has to be. It's crazy. And, I mean, back then it wasn't called Disney Springs. It was, it was downtown Disney. And Back in 1996, downtown Disney was much smaller than it is today. And today, it's now called Disney Springs, and it's a large shopping and entertainment area that lots of people frequent on their trips because you don't need a park ticket. And I think it's great that they offer that for people because one, money, it's a great opportunity for them <laughs> for that. Two, it's like just a great opportunity to hang out and go visit like some fun stores, walk around. It's not a great mention. way to fill some time. Yeah, not to mention they have world-renowned chefs that set up shop in there, oh, and yeah. you can find incredible food, incredible shopping, and it's a great opportunity to get outside of the hustle and bustle of the parks mm -hmm. and just kind of stroll around without an agenda, without trying to rush to get on a ride. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard other Disney gurus call it the fifth gate, so if you think of like Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios being gates or parks. Disney yeah. Springs is its own uh, its own thing. And yeah. you don't need a ticket to get in. Um, so the fact that the 25th had this kind of refresh and upgrade to it um, really kick-started what we know as Disney Springs today, which is, I'm, I'm thankful for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. What else opened at Downtown Disney? So Rainforest Cafe opens, and it's a one-of-a-kind experience when it comes to your dining, you know, typical themed Disney dining experience. I know that there are in other locations outside of Disney World, but it definitely gives off, like, theme park vibe. Um, and well, it's just has animatronics. It's animals. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah, and it makes your, you know, imaginative, believing all of these fanciful things um continue when you step outside of disney to eat in a restaurant like rainforest cafe and i know kiddos love it and it can be fun for adults too if you just want something a little different and um, it's still there today it is <laughs> so it's obviously popular it hasn't closed down it's uh, huge too and that will jump right into something that they were promoting a ton is animal kingdom oh yeah was in the process of being created and being built, and now we have an additional Rainforest Cafe location there. Um, so obviously, it's a very popular restaurant in mm -hmm. both the downtown Disney slash Disney Springs area and now in Animal Kingdom. I know, and and so cool. as a, I didn't even think about it as a way to promote Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Like, here, come eat at this restaurant where all these animals are. Plus, in a couple years, we're going to have a whole park with animals in it. Yeah, and then it got people familiar with the restaurant so that when they put it right at the front of Animal Kingdom, 
it, you know, kind of connected the two and said, oh my gosh, I remember that time we ate there. It was fun. And now we get this whole park that kind of echoes the vibe. Um, so I think that was a fun addition as well. And we'll continue to stick around for a long time, I think. Oh, yeah. So in addition to Disney promoting their fourth park, Animal Kingdom, they also had a ton of other things that they were spending money to do promos for put you know programs and things on tv about um and one of those things was celebration florida celebration florida now is its own town its own little city but disney was hugely a part of developing that area and um robert stern who was actually the architect for the boardwalk as well did a lot of the development and city planning for this town of celebration and the idea was walt had this hope for epcot to be this utopian fully functioning city i love that yeah and it turned out to be something else which is fine but um people within the the disney business side of things and wanting to carry on walt's vision and um ways to find innovation within regular everyday life um, jumped onto this project called you know celebration and that was happening during this 25th anniversary and it's something that i saw a lot of in um, the promotional things that disney was putting out at the time was this town of celebration and it it fully runs now i mean it's a city <laughs> i mean it's cute that like there's a city called celebration yeah i mean leave it to disney to and for it to be the 25th celebration and then they you know, create this town mm-hmm. called celebration uh, i thought that was an interesting thing um, if you are in the orlando area there's kind of um kissimmee and celebration yes. side by side right outside of the orlando lake buena vista area um and they're very cute little towns they've got homes and shops and all the things and that was to think of it being disney that developed that is i kind of forget about that it is really cool to think about that connection yeah what else what are some other things that disney was doing at the time okay so one of the big things that disney was doing during this time was they had recently opened something called the disney institute (laughs) the disney institute that sounds like school well okay yes the disney institute does still exist today but it's in a totally different form When it opened in 1996, um, it was a new type of resort stay where you could learn as you stayed. There were actually 80 different courses that you could take while you stayed there. You had to stay for a three-night minimum. While you were there, some of the courses included photography, gardening, animation, and you could, while you weren't sleeping, (laughs) if you were at the (laughs) resort in the daytime, you could go to one of these courses and learn about animation and learn about gardening and how it incorporates with Disney and um, it was supposed to be like a learning experience while you stay at a resort and I think to begin with it was popular Um, people were really interested in learning about it it was the prices ranged around like $500 to about $2,000 depending on the length of your stay Um, so that's kind of the range that they had but over time, I think they struggled to get people to do it because people wanted to go on vacation. They didn't really want to spend all their time learning. Mm-hmm. It's different to like go and be like, oh, I'm going to take, you know, go into, isn't, in Animal Kingdom, they have like the animation. Yeah. 
class or yeah. the animation. It's at Rafiki's Planet Watch. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. I knew I, I knew I had it in my head. Um, but staying in a resort where you're doing that the whole time, I'm not sure how, to a certain degree, it doesn't become appealing anymore, I don't think. So eventually they turned the Disney Institute into the Saratoga Springs Resort, which is one of the resorts we know of today at Walt Disney World. That opened in 2004. So in 2003, they actually shut down the Disney Institute after it being open for, I guess, about seven years. So I think that's a pretty good run for a type of experience like that, considering that's something that they had never done before in a totally different resort experience that you sign up for. Um, But they did keep Disney Institute around as an option now. So you can go online and take online courses through the Disney Institute to learn about animation and different stuff like that. Or when you're on property, there is a place you can go called the Disney Institute where you can sign up for a course, but it's not a resort type stay or experience. That's right. I honestly didn't know that it still existed in that capacity where you can take courses. Yes. Which I think is for people who love Disney and whenever I see all these behind the scene things, I'm always baffled at the detail that goes into something as and it's details that a lot of people just walk over but the like the gardening and the parks that's a whole area of disney's you know upkeep that somebody has to do and so learning how they do that and do it well even giving people the opportunity to learn um still in the parks through something like behind the seeds which is that tour that you can do with living with the land um i think is really cool i mean i would definitely if I had a lengthier stay and wanted to, you know, spend one of my days not purchasing a park ticket and go and do Disney Institute for animation or something for the day, I think that'd be really neat, especially when you go to the parks a lot and you've experienced a lot of them to have something new to do. um, is really neat. And it is always a bummer when something fails, but Saratoga Springs is a great resort and it is right next to Disney Springs so Mm -hmm. location wise it's really nice and has clearly I think they actually just um, did kind of an upgrade to their lobby and everything so they're still maintaining that and keeping it really nice too so the the location is and the facility that it was in is beautiful it's really nice I'm interested if they still have like remnants of the Disney Institute around Saratoga Springs I'm sure they have some things that were original um i do like that they i agree i do like that they kept the concept of disney institute and they just revamped it they they did it in a way that they're like okay well we tried it in a resort form and they didn't really work the way we were hoping but they knew that that was something that people were still interested in and so i do like that they kept it yeah i kind of feel like the new star wars um galactic star cruiser like that's an upgraded idea break my bank account why don't you i know (laughs) And with inflation, I feel like it's like similar pricing where the original pricing for Disney Institute was, you said like 500 to 2000. Yes. And I think in looking at inflation, the prices now are probably double, you know, what that was. So for three nights paying $4,000 is pretty pricey. (laughs) And with this new Star Wars Galactic Cruiser, whatever the specific name is, um, kind of the same idea of you're paying a ton of money for an experience that's a part of your stay um, but you can also go into the parks but now it's less um, like educational based and more just kind of like fandom based so 
I think that they probably, I mean, it seems like they maybe took that idea of like a re- an experience being a part of your resort stay and maybe used the idea of the Disney Institute to spark what they're doing oh, sure. with um, this new Star Wars resort. Yeah, you're probably right. Who knows? Always, Who knows? It, always with the insight and the comparisons and the. I keep bringing it back to current day because you're so good at that. I, in 1996, I was just a baby, so there's only so much my brain can do back in 1996. Oh yeah. Um, but those are just some things kind of in the surrounding Disney bubble. Yeah. But bringing it back to the park specifically, there's a couple of things we haven't touched on oh. that were specifically done or added to the parks yes. as a as a part of this 25th celebration um let's let's go through some of those yeah so they did have a special version of illumination which is their nighttime illuminations wow plural um at epcot that was their nighttime fireworks show and i guess they did an overlay on that i would love to go back and watch if they have any videos of that special version of illuminations but Not to mention, happening. Illuminations ran until this year, but Illuminations being a longtime Epcot nighttime spectacular that held a lot of people's hearts, got a special upgrade and, and overlay for this celebration, um, and I kind of wish that way they would have done that with Happily Ever After, like just a little uh, 50th overlay to Happily Ever After. <laughs> on this episode of We Miss Happily Ever After, also at Epcot, they were doing a lot of promoting for Test Track because that opened in the summer of 1997. So they were using the 25th anniversary as an opportunity to be like, hey, we have a high ticket attraction come in in like a year or so get hype get ready for that which is really funny because for the 50th anniversary they're doing a lot of promotions for guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind which is that reverse roller coaster reverse launch roller coaster that we're getting at epcot as well so that's the comparison there with the 25th and the 50th with their promotions of their uh, new hi- high ticket attractions look at you getting in on the comparison game you know i'm trying i gotta keep up with you uh, i mean i appreciate the the confidence boost there but you did a great job oh my gosh um yeah i think that test track obviously is still a fan favorite and for the 25th to be rolling around and the celebration lasted through 1998 um i think it was 15 months long oh yeah so and while so, it was still happening they were opening yeah. it too yeah, so it was a way to say, hey, the 25th is going on, but also our other parks are getting some fun upgrades. This is what's coming. You should book a trip. And so um, I think Test Track was a really strong marketing tactic mm-hmm. to get people to continue to book trips to come for the 25th, um, but also a great ride in general. Yeah. That, you know, it's gotten some updates and some changes um, from its original version. Oh. But it still holds uh, pretty strong in terms of it being a quality ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Throwing it over to MGM Studios. What happened? What opened at MGM Studios? Yeah. So at MGM, which is now Hollywood Studios, um, a new musical um, or something like a show similar to the Beauty and the Beast show that happens over there right now, um, they actually opened... The Hunchback of Notre Dame, a musical adventure, which 
I wish I had specific memories of this. I went to Disney more than once when this was running. It ran from 96 to 2002, and it basically was just exactly what the Beauty and the Beast show is, just a, a musical reenactment of what the movie yeah. was. Shortened version. Yeah. And um, it had the big hits from that movie incorporated in there, some of which were in Happily Ever After, if I can mention it one more time. Um, but yeah, um, this was something that, you know, they had the th- only three parks. So if they were doing new things in Magic Kingdom and Epcot, Hollywood Studios also had to have something new to pull guests in as well. And this happened to be that thing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was specifically what Hollywood Studios had going, well, MGM at the time had going on, um, for the 25th, but we're going to bring it back full circle to specific things they did in Magic Kingdom to kind of wrap us up on the 25th. Yes. So at Magic Kingdom, one of the big things that they incorporated besides obviously the, the castle cake which was, like we said, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, they had the Remember the Magic Parade. Which, which can they just bring that back? That would be so fun. Yes, because of COVID, I've, I'm so curious as to what the 50th would look like if COVID didn't happen. You know, would there be more? Would there be a new parade? Because we yeah, don't have right. parades. We don't have stage shows. They're, they're slowly coming back, but yeah, um, a lot of time. the classic Disney park things... Um, which clearly they did for this 25th celebration, like a new parade. Yes. Aren't a part of the 50th. Yeah. So let's talk about this Remember the Magic Parade. Yes. So they had a lot of floats that were in this parade. One of the big parts of the parade was actually a Lion King focus, which I think is really awesome with the pre-opening of Animal Kingdom. I'm sure they did that strategically as a way to be like, hey, look, more animals. By the way, we're opening a new park. Um, (laughs) which was awesome, but they also had a really big princess float, which is still in use today. And it looks pristine. So the, the shiny glass metallic looking mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Mirror is a good way to put it. Um, but it looks like a little castle and all the princesses stand on it for the cavalcades. It was a part of the festival of fantasy parade previously as well. Um, but they made this new float for princesses to go on Uh for this parade. And it obviously was well built and pretty enough to stand the test of time um, because they still use it today. Yes, when I was looking at um, images of the Remember the Magic Parade and I saw the princess float, I was like, no way, that's the same one that they use today, which is awesome because as long as I can remember, that's always been the float the princesses have been on. So I love that they kept that and have used that throughout the years. If you don't know what this float is, like like Caitlin said, it's very mirror-esque. It's very shiny. It also has a lot of layers to it. So mm-hmm. it like starts really low in the front, and it has like different levels that go all the way up. And like all the princesses stand on different corners of it, mm-hmm. and so you can see them from a lot of different angles. And so it definitely is designed very well for you to, be able to see a lot of different things. But it is a very beautiful float, and obviously very durable. Yeah, for if sure. They, I'm sure they had to tweak it up a little bit here and there but Get some upgrades every now and again some maintenance yeah it was really cool to see that that was a part of that original parade uh, in the off of the 25th anniversary and now i want to go watch the parade i know we should i um it's funny you mentioned the the lion king float and the princesses and on their float being something you remember for 
as long as you've been going to Disney. When I was watching little clips of this parade, I'm very curious if the animatronics that are in the Festival of the Lion King were the animatronics on this float. They look eerily similar. Oh, that would be so cool. They kind of make the same, like, they have the same set of movements from the videos I was watching. So I, and, and at the time, Lion King came out in 1994. So this is like, it was a huge hit. This is at the peak of its popularity. For yeah. it to, so it's important for it to be a part of this parade um, to celebrate Disney and, and all that it's brought its fans. Um, but also looking forward into creating a park about animals and Animal Kingdom being on its way. Um, it opened in, in 1998. The Animal Kingdom... IP that was previously in Magic Kingdom, like Lion King, was removed and kind of reserved for this park that's specifically about the animals. So I'm very curious if the the animatronics on this float are still active today in Festival of the Lion King. That would be really cool. We should look that up. Yeah, it's a good little um, nod to Disney. One, you know, like I said, knowing how to reuse things, but two, engineering that lasts. These things have held up for continue to hold up for 25 years and um they've done an excellent job of keeping things classic but also finding new innovative ways to keep things modern um and i think that the the new version of celebration that we have now in the 50th compared to the 25th there's obviously been a lot of changes specifically with social media and you know people having ways to view what's going on um for the celebration outside of like they can just see everything that's going on in the parks on their phones Mm -hmm. but for the 25th they did all these tv specials which you you don't they did the one 50th um tv special on abc yeah and um i think it's notable to mention that abc was bought out um by disney in 1996 the year of the 25th and so um they took this partnership disney recently bought out abc and they pumped out so many tv specials for the 25th on abc yeah and so um and in 1996 i'm sure abc was one of the main like media outlets for people to be watching on their tv you know cable and all of that and being able to like only watch a handful of channels um versus like having thousands of channels to choose from and (laughs) streaming services now um you know disney said we've got this huge celebration we're gonna put out these tv specials um when i was looking them up they have ones um with the actors from boy meets world with the actors from um sabrina the teenage witch and um some other ones in there where they've got some i think rebit Rebus, Regis Philbin um, also oh, cool. hosted a TV special. So these are kind of bigger names at the time or popular um, TV shows at the time that Disney was using to their advantage through ABC to market um, yeah. what was going on in the parks. And now you have the internet and your phone and everything. <laughs> and so um, the TV specials aren't as big of um, a focus for them. But I thought it was fun to kind of go back and see clips of and I kind of remember um, they had a little ad that they were putting in their uh, VHS tapes when you would like buy a new Disney movie. They had a 25th um, like commercial essentially at the beginning of the tape 
Um, yeah, and I'd love to see that. Yeah, the message or the the approach was um, this family wanted to go to Disney, and the parents said, "Well, we're gonna wait until." our baby is walking to go to Disney because we want them to be able I mean that was just kind of the conversation that these parents were having in this commercial um, and then they decide to go anyways and their baby takes their first steps in Walt Disney World Stop. and so it's just like this huge heartstring commercial that Disney came up with is genius um, everybody's trying to get their babies to do their first steps and <laughs> after that like a bunch of just like I know. babies walking around with parents yeah so um they spent so much time creating these ads and tv specials which you know aren't really a part of modern times now yeah. with tv um you've got vloggers youtubers instagram people who have hundreds of thousands of followers that disney gets free marketing from yeah so they're not having to spend the money to do these kinds of things now um so i think that's just kind of an interesting big picture way to look at um what was going on in 1996 to promote the celebration in general um compared to what we're seeing today yeah great comparison yeah what's the if you um are looking back at visiting walt disney world for the 25th compared to today what price wise were you looking at man when i saw this number i was like i would kill for that same price today okay the price of a ticket in 1996 was 38 dollars and 50 cents which, with an inflation calculator, is $67 today. It's, yeah, I wish it was $67 today. Yeah, I think, what is it, 120 for a one-day ticket? Yeah, at least. I don't even know if Hoppers existed in 1996 or not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like they, I mean, they have multiple parks, but fact I don't check. know. Yeah, fact check, add it to season two's fact checklist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, $67 today would be what someone would pay to go to Disney um, for a one-day ticket. And, um, again, Disney's inflation. I saw this video recently of, like, everything else, like, market-wise inflation compared to Disney inflation. And Disney inflation exceeds everything by a sky mile. Like, it's insane what they've been able to do. Um, And, like, they're they don't have any trouble getting people to still pay those prices people are going to continue to pay whatever disney says is the price because it's disney yeah everybody wants that experience i mean i obviously fall into that category of person who's willing to spend that money um but everybody wants to take their kid to disney everybody wants to have their family vacation in disney and if that's the price then that's the price and they've continued to be able to justify the inflation of their their pricing because nobody has stopped buying anything yeah 25 years from now i wonder if we'll be reviewing the 50th in all of our memories (laughs) we'll be back with castle chat season 1000 1000 the 75th anniversary that's a lot of episodes yeah if you're still listening for the for the 75th review thank you yeah really appreciate it (laughs) yeah that's a lot of that's a lot of episodes that's a lot of court and kate (laughs) but for now we thank you for listening to this episode and for being here just to take a trip back to 1996 and hang out with us and we're grateful for our time together Absolutely. And reflecting on Thanksgiving, so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. Um, Every time 
you guys tune into these episodes. It's very special to Court and I. Um, so we are thankful for you, you specifically, you who is listening right now. Yes. Um, and we hope you continue to make Disney memories for years to come with us. Small shop shout out. Whoa, is that a jingle upgrade? I don't know. With my nasally voice, too. Maybe it's, you know, just a new key, a new, I, I don't know, I liked it. Guys, I wish you I wish you were all here for the live recording of this, because the amount of times that I've had to stop to cough, <laughs> it's so funny. So really, thank you guys for putting up with my voice today. We are really pushing through this, but we are on the last little leg, and we are on our small shop shout out, and this week... We definitely want to shout out um, Park Hopper Design. Park Hopper Design, they create fashionable and high-quality ears. They're actually a home of the original Sherpa ears. So fluffy. So fluffy. I love them. Um, Their ears are adorable and so fun and completely handmade one by one. And so if you're looking to support a small business and get a new pair of mini ears that are locally sourced, then... You definitely need to hit up Park Hopper Design, and you can find them on Instagram at that handle. Yeah, Disney has, again, noticed what people are doing and what Disney fans like, and they have gone bonkers with the making of ears, and it's truly these small shops that got that started. So I think it's really important to continue to support these people who have taken their um, craftsmanship and creativity to make these fun Disney-inspired products and um, make your outfits and your trips uh, feel unique and special. So definitely check them out and give them a follow on social media and um, maybe incorporate them for your next trip. All right, it's time for some Disney Etiquette 101. What? Disney Etiquette? Oh my goodness, nobody ever messes up doing anything in Disney. (laughs) Oh yeah. We are, um, like we mentioned last week, we are switching things up with our new little segment at the end of our episodes, talking about some unspoken rules at Disney and things that are really, it's just good etiquette to have. It may not be actually written down anywhere that you should be doing these things, but I think it's kind of just understood to be a good person. And so uh, this week, we will actually be talking about what it means to move all the way over in theaters. Please move all the way to the end of your row. Yes. Whenever you go into these shows, Let me tell you what, the reason why we're doing this Disney etiquette is because there's always somebody that doesn't listen and thinks that they are above the rules that these sweet cast members are so kindly putting out. Please move all the way to the end of the row. And some families just plop right on down in the middle and they rush to get to the front of the line. And unfortunately, if you rush to get to the front of the line for these shows, you're going to end up on the end. Yep. So you typically how Disney um, works with these shows, like Caitlin said, is there's like a loading area where everybody kind of piles into this big room where you're all just kind of waiting. You might be viewing a pre-show video. You might be um, just hearing some audio, waiting for the next show to begin. But you're standing in front of these big doors. And if you may think in your mind, oh, I'm at the very front, I'm by the doors. I'm going to get the best seat in the house. 
you are wrong. You are going to be taken all the way through to the very end of the row so that you can fill in all the space and everybody can fit in the auditorium or the amphitheater or whatever space you guys are sitting in for this show. They want to be able to utilize the space best and be able to get people in and out quickly. And so if you actually want to sit in the middle of the amphitheater theater whatever space you're in it's actually best to kind of be in the middle of that holding room Mm -hmm. because they're gonna try and filter and funnel people in like we said all the way through and there are gonna be people that are gonna be like well i'm at the front of the line so i'm gonna sit in the middle and cast members are gonna have to come up to you and continue to ask you to move all the way to the end so it really is just courteous if you just go ahead and just just go to the end or or know where you want to stand just yes. Pick, just pick one. If you want to be in the front of the line or you get there early, amazing. Please move all the way to the end. If you want to be in the middle, then, you know, maybe get there a little bit after people start loading into this area. And um, if you're in the middle too, like you can kind of gauge where the aisles are going to fall. Like you're going to fall right into the middle. Yeah. And so if you're kind of getting and you're in the middle of the pack and you get into the showroom and you can see like ooh three aisles back I'll be right in the middle and you can kind of make your way three aisles back but it's really I've definitely for Frozen Ever After specifically I've had to either step over people because they refuse to move out of the middle or seen a cast member have to aggressively be like you cannot sit please move please i move. will see that a lot especially like you said with frozen people are very adamant about having a middle seat for that i'm like guys we all have to like they have multiple shows going on we have to get through this theater we mm-hmm. have to keep the show going and so yeah it's a little bit of just disney etiquette 101 for you today please mind your manners all right next week I'm so excited about next week. Courtney could not be more excited for an episode, probably in our existence of recording for the next, however, I hope we do this for the next 10 years, but next week, Court, tell them what we're doing. Y'all, I think I've been waiting for this episode since the moment we talked about starting a podcast. Next week is Digging Deep, and Digging Deep is where we take a certain Disney movie and we break it down we talk about the emotional impacts, we talk about all the fun facts, everything, just everything about the movies. And I bet you could guess what movie we're doing. Movies. We're doing Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. You can't do... I'm gonna cry. You can't do two without one, you can't do one without two. Gotta do them together. So we are gonna break down and dive deep into all things Frozen. I'm so excited. I'm gonna have to like reel so many of my thoughts in though, because otherwise it's gonna be like a three hour episode, because I could just talk forever about it. So... <laughs> I'm going to be prepared with lots of notes, but we will move through the content quickly and share all the fun things about my favorite movies. Buckle up and get ready, guys. Saddle up on your reindeer. Saddle up on your reindeer. Oh my goodness. I am so, so excited. So definitely tune in next week for Digging Deep. But for now, we are just so glad that you guys are hanging out with us today and listening to this episode. And um, you can catch us on Instagram. Where can they catch us on Instagram? They can catch us on Instagram at the Castle Chat. Yeah. Where can they send us an email? You could send us an email about absolutely anything to 
thecastlechat at gmail.com. Yeah, we love emails and DMs and all the interactions. It's so much fun. You guys can also leave us a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. We love getting to just read about what you guys think of the podcast. Like we've always said, we love any type of feedback that you guys have. So we can continue to make this something that you guys want to listen to. Yeah, reviews help other people find us as well. So if this is a podcast that you think your Disney-loving friends would be into, leave us a review and help others um, join us in our conversations. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And until then, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye.